It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon podcast show. They're talking the walk and not about sloppy, sloppy Joes. So, talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk show. Welcome back to Talking the Walk. I'm Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Scallon. And by the way, so, so a couple of side notes. Number one, um, I think our, our intro is getting better. We, we aren't pausing quite so long uh, after things. And then number two, um, I just, we, we, this is uh, take number two, because the first one, I forgot the whole, you know, three, two, and I was counting out loud and, and you had to help me with the, the finger point and everything. So hopefully this matched yeah. up at the beginning well. Um, we're episode 10. Uh, this is the Kurt Henning. Uh, episode we'll talk more about that as we as we get into it and you know as always we'd like to thank uh bailey bishop for uh the original artwork and jake brown for the original music and again well, tyler stanley with our uh, as our social media director and and find us on on uh, instagram and facebook and uh twitter and and give us a follow and and give us some comments and some feedback and uh and then of course now our our official fact checker jill martin who has uh, been helping us here the last couple episodes with getting things correct. And in the same breath, um, Jill was a freshman and they went to the state tournament, didn't go sophomore, junior year, and then they went again her senior year. So she, she helped me get that taken care of. So the, uh, we're now- It sounds like all the facts, sounds like all the facts are about her. Yeah, like, they are. They're centered around her. Yeah, it's all about her. Still makes it her, I mean, she's still our official fact checker. Plus, she has a, a fairly good tie to Roger Huff, who is a pretty good Norwalk historian. Uh, when does it comes Roger to listen? Um, I don't know. Jill, does Roger listen? Feedback, please. Yep. We'll find that out. Um, our non-sponsor is uh, Glitter Lake Outpost, located in, in Canada. Uh, they, they are uh, a wonderful place for you to go if you, if you want to get, uh, get away from, you know, human life and uh, get up there and catch a little fish. They are uh, an excellent place. The, the things that you have to make sure you're aware of, first and foremost, you are getting to Glitter Lake via an airplane and they land on the water. Okay, so that's the first thing you have to make sure you understand. The second thing is, depending on who your pilot is, is going to dictate an awful lot about how you approach your landing. Agree? Yeah, I, I think it also has to do with whether your pilot kind of nods off during the flight and maybe misses the long approach and, and has to take the short approach. So, I mean, and to be fair, um, depending on how many people go up there and how much your weight limit is, um, you, you could end up taking your flight in with other humans, or you could take your flight in sitting next to 50-gallon um, drums of flammable liquids. You don't know exactly how that's going to go. Yeah, and a so, plane built in 1950-something. Right, right. And the one was a turbo, so that, that helped a little bit. I, I just found it interesting on that flight um, that some people brought a book, and they were on like page 12, but they were on page 12 for the whole half hour, 35-minute flight. It never, it never really turned. And other people 
practice their religion with their crucifix. Got the rosary out. Yeah, I can I can tell you that the flight in, I uh, for me I just stared at the back of Dale's head, in the um, that because I was steaming that I had to ride with those flammable liquids um, as we went in. However, our landing was as smooth as you could land. It, I mean, it, never have I been in a in a smoother landing on that one. Um, but while you're there, a couple other things to remember. Number one. You have, to, you have to make sure that you have some sort of uh, preventative measures for your mosquito issues at night. Um, otherwise, you could end up looking like Dewey, where, where you have a, a ton of bug bites. Almost looked like he had chicken pox. He got bitten bad, so badly. Um, yep. The second, you must, and this is there, there is no other way to get it done, you must bring flashlights. You're gonna say, well, why? Well, you have to bring a flashlight because if you have to go to the bathroom at night, you have to go to the outhouse. There are no bathrooms inside the, uh, the Glitter Lake outpost. So you need to make sure you take care of that. And then the last must is you, you must be able to not only set a meal plan schedule, but then adhere to said schedule. Well, Starting with the flashlight, you also need to have a camera that has a flash. Now, you kids out there will probably be like, well, you just have your cell phone, but that's not how it worked then. You know? Right. Um, because you need to be able to take a picture of someone trying to find their way into the bathroom and or the outhouse. Right. Uh, that's, a, that's always a great picture, the shocked look on their face. And if the fish are biting, the schedule goes out the window. I'll go back to my final point, which was um, setting a schedule and then adhering to said schedule. So, well, if we're going to talk schedules, if we're going to talk schedules, then you also have to realize that when everybody gets up early to go fishing and a couple people stay back, you need to schedule how many um, beverages you're going to take in your boat because somehow things disappear. You also probably want to take inventory of food too. Because the two people that stay back might might have a larger breakfast than the the rest uh, of the guests. So, non-sponsor, we appreciate Glitter Lake Outpost, uh, all your fishing and and uh, getting away needs, and and they'll take good care of you. It's a it's a great place to go. I highly recommend it. Yep, and it's a last shout out to the old man in the sea. Go out in the rain, try and catch two fish because right. you napped all day. Um have a, a podcast confessional now at this uh, at this point in time for me a little wasp update not as many wasps on the nest uh, however still I, I, I wasn't home very much over the weekend so didn't do a whole lot of uh, um, fire pitting uh, at home so um, there's still a couple of wasps I'm going to see if maybe tonight at dusk I can maybe take care of a couple others uh, in the meantime one of the things that I'm going to make sure that I get done is is move the wood out from underneath when they're not bothering me and uh, get that taken care of so I don't have to worry about going underneath there after I agitate them this evening with uh, spray. Did you did you find a spray that kills the pheromones or are you just doing I, a normal wasp spray? Well, I'm doing the foam, but then I also have this other spray upstairs that says uh, guaranteed to eliminate nests. So I'm assuming that that is the, the pheromone removal um, spray. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do, maybe it's a one, two, Spray the foam, let the foam 
go away and then and then come back with the the nest killer and get that done. Um, July fourth was you know over the weekend and uh, I enjoy the July July fourth holiday uh, for several reasons. Number one, uh, it's always a weekend in which we or or a time in which we we head up to Emmitsburg and we hang out on Five Island Lake, um, and then I like fireworks. You know we we watched uh, Emmitsburg shot off fireworks on Saturday night and we watched it from the boat on the lake and so enjoy that and then also you know that a little different this year but but that's always our our time away from the weight room you know we we give the kids a time uh, a break and obviously it was different this year but that usually signifies our our last getaway for uh, for the summer uh, and so that's why I enjoy that one um, and then you know one more thing and, and we'll talk more about it as we get into the high school sports but the uh, there's just the fact that we're back and and it felt really good um, being back last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then all this week, you know, through our workouts and, and our skill camp and all that stuff. So um, that was really good and and really happy to be back. Well, we just, uh, we sat around here with Coach Krollick and Lindsay, hung out because our kids have been playing together and hanging out, to, uh, hanging out, not playing, hanging out together. Um, and uh, then we just went to our deck and watched everyone around us send up bombs after bombs, fireworks after fireworks. We had, we had like six shows going on around our deck. Based on, uh, based on what we saw when we came back, our neighborhood did a pretty good job of uh, letting fireworks off also. So it's, uh, the, it, the debris is unbelievable. You know, and the amount of money that people can spend on fireworks is also unbelievable. Well, I took Mary for a walk and um, same thing. Every driveway that did fireworks, there was just stuff everywhere. And it was just left out the next morning, which I yeah. found interesting. Um, and then I went up to Ace Hardware and some guy was buying everything they had left at one of those tents. You, you, <laughs> so I assume fireworks are still good for a year because I, I kind of get nervous that, you know, do they degrade? I don't know anything about fireworks, but this guy had a, his truck pulled up and Holy Lord, I don't want to live by him July 4th. Discount. Or maybe I do. They, you know, it's like Christmas candy, right? Or Halloween candy. Yep. Afterwards. Yeah, Discount. I think it was a BOGO. Buy one, get one free. Yeah, well, that's that's the time to do it, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get it done. Um feedback. You know, we we uh so we heard from Mark Parrington, and, and I appreciate Mark's feedback the best, to be honest with you, because he's the one that uh um, was in my corner to tell me that I needed my happy place. And so if, if I like fire pitting, then I should stick with fire pitting. So I think that was, uh, I think that was important for me to hear. And I appreciate Mark's, uh, Mark's support on all that. I just um, think Mark's stirring the pot. That's all he's doing. Oh, no. I, he was being supportive. And then uh, Jill, we heard from Jill. You know, she, she corrected me, um, making sure that I understood that it was her freshman and senior year in which they went to state and then Jeff Gravy. Uh, heard from Jeff Gravy. It's it, interesting that Jeff Gravy, who, who is a defensive coach, decided that it was best for him to side with you. Um, and I do believe he called it the Skult. Is that right? The Scallon cult? So the yep. Scallon followers. So if anybody else out there is a is a Skult, we'd like to hear from that. Um, and maybe when you when you you know whether you message us on well message Tyler on Facebook. Instagram or Twitter, maybe maybe it's hashtag Skult, um, 
maybe that's the route we're going. Well, they have to understand that sculpt means that you'd like to talk through your selections of who the best is or who the most impressive is. Uh, it's not really breaking the rules. It's just mentally, little mental gymnastics to, you know, provide equity in your choice. You both picked more than one. You can say you were talking through it, but you picked more than one. And that's where it came from. I don't see it that way. Well, why would you? I heard from uh, uh, Eric Neeson. Did you hear from Eric Neeson? Eric Neeson. Yeah, I can't remember what he said, though. He said it was a good podcast. That's what he said. He thought it was yeah. really good. He really liked, he, he, he liked Coach Heitland, um, you know, and he, he spoke very well, which, which we both know. Um, no, I don't, I don't want Eric to get mad when I say this, but Eric's kind of like a big bird of Sesame Street, not just because of the hype, but just he's so nice. So I don't really know if he thinks we're doing good or not. He's just always nice and very supportive and, you know, he's just so a if good he guy. Were, if he were a judge on American Idol, they would always be going to Hollywood. Yeah, I, I think you might I mean, have a tough time. Eyes, obviously, you have to have more than one. I mean, more than one vote to go. But but he would always he he would say, uh, you know what? You're in my eyes. You're going to Hollywood. So yes, if I'm doing that, I'm my eyes are locked on him, trying to get the one vote I need to move forward. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Justin Kralik gave us some some feedback. You know, he he went back to Jenny Clark again. Um, from that side, but then he also gave a good suggestion that when, when I post the uh, the episode to Twitter, my Twitter, that I need to hashtag or 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 at the other one so that I list how to get you know through Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook with uh, talking the walk. So I thought that was a really good suggestion, very helpful for us. Now the issue will again will be whether or not I can uh, I can make it happen. Um, Brad Criswell. You know, he, he messaged again, and, and he just loves it when we have a guest so that he can do Criswell Corner, Criswell's Corner um, and get a little background on that. So we're, uh, we're good there. And then Lee Nelson um, commented, you know, and his, his big thing at this point in time is uh, he was concerned about why, why there was no pod yet this week. And as I told him, our issue was we're trying to match up. You know, now that I'm back in the weight room and, and – um, you've got driver's ed, not you yourself, but but Quinn's got driver's ed in the afternoon. That makes it a little bit tougher for us to find the time to uh, to do it. And then, of course, the question then became, what are you going to do in football? I mean, what are you going to do during the season? And so I told him, hopefully we can find a day where we can we can get it done and and uh, uh, record. Yeah, this is well, this is supposed to be the uh, month away from school, but it's turning into the month of return to learn planning. Which and and I did get more feedback from Schmitz. I forgot we talked about this earlier, but I forgot. Um, not only did he ask where the podcast was, he also uh, called me out for being uh, nice to Coach Heitland. He, he thinks I'm a sellout. Oh. I think he wonders who I am. He's like back in the day, you would never had a conversation with with a rival, but I'm growing. Defensive, and that's what we want. That's what we want. Defensive guys sticking together. Again, I mean, in that case, when it comes to that. So anything else feedback-wise? Nope. I don't think I have anything. Okay, so moving on to, to high school sports. You know, obviously we're back workout-wise. Uh, and I can only speak specifically to Norwalk because I, I, I don't know what everybody else is doing. I would imagine they've got something similar to us. But we, we break our groups down into threes. 
you know, into thirds and, and one group does something with uh, Coach Campbell as far as uh, agility or conditioning or speed work. Um, one group works with Coach Schmitz and, and they're doing some form of functional, which is uh, working in conjunction with what it is that we're doing in the weight room. And then the third piece is the, the group that's in the weight room. We go an hour. Uh, we give them 15 minutes in each spot with a five-minute rotation, you know, rest, whatever. Um, and then as they roll through, rotate through that, we're done in an hour. The, uh, the interesting thing is, is we now, you know, we, we go four hours. We go 6.30, 7.30, 8.30, and 9.30. Those are the four sessions that we've got. And we try to get through as many kids as we can. The, the most alarming piece is not only am I getting older, but at the end of those four hours, I am wiped out. Um, you know, I probably should have, not that it would have made sense, but thrown it in the, the podcast confessional part. Tuesday morning happens. And we are wrapping up the 8.30 session. No, the 7.30 session. So we are coming to 8.30. And I am thinking, you know, all right, we're done. Man, what a good, what a good morning. I had two hours left. <laughs> I, had, I had six groups left to see. Um, but I was so tired from walking around and everything. I am, I am 100% not in work shape um, right now. And obviously my age, you know, not that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna offend somebody, not that I'm 125 years old and trying to get this done. Um, but are it you, just- Are you talking about Carter Holman? Who are you talking about? I gotta get it, well, yeah, he's up there. Um, I'm just trying to get back into, into, into the shape of, of being up and moving and, and being, that active as far as the number of steps that I get in and everything. So, but other than that, you know, the, the, probably the biggest difference is having to wear a mask in the weight room. Um, kids, you, you could interview every single kid and they'll tell you they can't stand it. You know, the, the breathing aspect, especially when we do full body lifts are, are as tough on the kids, you know, like a, a clean or a power clean. Um, they're having a tough time with that piece of, but otherwise I think everything is good. Kids, kids understand, you know, what they have to do. Uh, I don't want to call it a hoop, but I'm going to, because I don't really know what else to call it. But hoops to jump through in order to to be back working out, and they're and they're taking those precautions, and they're and they're doing it. You know, we're sanitizing. Um, for us, we're sanitizing after each group, so we're sanitizing three times in an hour, uh, just because it's only one person to a rack. We we have not had any more than eight kids in the weight room at one time, and so we're sanitizing. Um, after they're done with it, before the next group comes in, we're letting it air dry. And then at the end of our session at 1030, we're doing a little bit heavier um, using a different sanitizer and we are uh, letting it air dry. And it's a little bit longer to, uh, to let that one air dry. So that's kind of where we're at with the workouts. And again, that's just Norwalk. I'm sure other people are doing something similar and trying to get it done that way. So what is the most difficult part for you outside of the, the, uh, physical change of having to be there the four hours and the pace of everything? The, the, probably the biggest one is, is not having a hand, you know, cause I did in some past summers, I, you know, we, we'd, we'd start in the field, we'd stretch and then we'd do our warm up, And then after our warm up, we would get into whatever it was that we were doing for that day, whether it be, you know, agility work or, or speed work or conditioning or whatever. Um, and then we'd go up and go in the weight room. I don't have a hand in all of that now. I only get one piece. And that to me is, is been the hardest thing for me because I like to see how hard is that kid working for coach Campbell and how hard is that kid working for coach Schmitz and, and what are they doing and, and just being around them more. Um, it's really hard 
to have a conversation in the weight room right now because of the mask. You know, and the music is playing and masking up. Um, and again, not complaining. It's just it's just a fact. It's harder to talk and, and have carry on a conversation. So that I miss that piece. Um, the worst part for all of us is the fact that we, because we did what we did as far as tightening our schedule down, you know, that we're on the hour that we're starting, we have not allowed a great deal of time for kids to warm up, stretch, and cool down. Those three things have been um, very lacking this summer, and, and that's an issue. But we didn't know any other way for us to be able to get it done and be efficient. So we tell the kids to show up early and take care of their stretching, and, and sometimes that goes well, and sometimes that does not go well. Yeah. How about the number of uh, young ladies? Um, we've got, uh, there's usually somewhere in between three and six uh, at that 630 session. We've got one at the 730 session and then that's it. Haven't been able to. I was wondering if that number would go up just because Coach Campbell was. We thought so. Helping out. We thought so, but but has not yet. Um, and, and maybe after they figure out you know, what it's like that maybe, maybe we'll start to get more, you know, last week, we didn't have very many. We've got more this week as far as kids, total kids, you know, so us starting there that week of the 4th of July made a, I think had a little bit of an impact, but now we just hope right. that it's, you know, word of mouth and, and getting around and going. I also asked uh, Quinn, how many kids? And he's like, I don't know. So how many uh, ninth graders? 40 ish around there. And, and we have only been in the gym um at this point in time you know next week we're going four to five thirty we've extended that a half an hour so we can break them up into three groups and and be more efficient uh with what it is that we have them do and i don't i don't think you explained to everybody that you take the freshmen out yeah. of the larger group and you start them from ground zero about how to functionally the correct correct procedures when it comes to weight room and weight training and form and, and that has made a huge difference for us you know back in the day we'd try to catch a kid up in in three minutes you know try to teach them how to lift in three minutes and then get into the weight room so we could focus on the older kids and, and since we've done this we shoot we 10 years i bet we've been doing it um it has made a significant difference in in the the foundation that we give those kids as they move through our our weight program and you know i mean basically a lifelong opportunity for them to to lift and be active yeah. in that You've also done that um, irregardless of uh, ability level. Sonny Unkin, Tyler Andrews. Yep. Brian Kennedy. Um, yep. Tyler Van Gorder. I mean, you go down the list of all the kids that, that, that have been physically mature when they walk in. And, you know, by the end of the summer, they're still, they only get to put 25s on each side. You know, we don't, then I don't care if you can squat a house or not. We're, we're getting it done that way. And, and they have a tough, some of them have had a tough time with that, but I think they understand it. And, and, uh, still have performed at a high level by the time they're done at their, in their high school career. Probably Brady Bransfield. He never liked to follow the rules or anything like that. So he's. <laughs> oh, I think he, he did. He did just fine. He, he might be the, the number one rule follower we've ever had. He really liked, he, he knew what to do. So I think the next thing, you know, and I know this is supposed to be a high school sports, but I think I think it, we would be remiss if we didn't it didn't at least have a conversation. The Ivy League canceling fall sports, not going to start anything. What was it, January one? I thought was there going to be their start date for for sports? Um, I think it was exam- January one. January one, they're going to examine what to do. Okay, sure, sure. That, I think that, I might be mistaken. 
Um, and then the Big Ten, you know, announcing that uh, football is only going to play conference games. Um, and, then, and then you keep going down the list. Uh, you know, New Mexico has moved fall soccer and football to, uh, to the spring. Um, this one of the superintendents in the Dallas area said you, it's going to be very tough for the state of Texas to have football in the fall. Um, With New Mexico, too, I didn't get to read that article, just the headline that they were moving. Did they also move spring sports to the fall, or are they just going to try oh, and do I don't know the answer to that. I just – everybody was so focused on, on the uh, um, football and soccer moving to the spring that I, I'm with you. I did not – I don't know if they moved spring to the fall. Um, and, and this and, is where Don, Don Campbell and I were talking um, – you know, he, he's an advocate of that. He thinks that might be a, a good thing to do. His only caveat was if you move track and everything and it gets shut down because of the pandemic, then you've got to give them their season back and it's football that gets shut down in the spring. You, yeah. you can't hit the track team twice was kind of his thing. You can't hit all those, you know, soccer and all those guys twice. Which you know seems reasonable to me. We are we're just in an interesting time right now because we are we're now starting to get states that are making decisions on what they want to do and what they're going to do, and as that continues to go, we are going to start to see more and more people um, with decisions, and and nobody knows where we're going. Nobody knows what I, I the state of Iowa is going to do or what's on the table as far as possibilities. So. Um, the guy from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, the uh, the writer from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, is either today or tomorrow putting out um, what it would look like. His his kind of matching up of weeks of what it would look like for football to go into the spring to just further that conversation, I guess. We uh, we need to make sure that we're paying attention, you know, not just to us, but what other states are doing because it's going to influence what other people are doing. Um, at this point in time, um, you know, for hey, as we move through baseball and softball, you know, the, the pairings are now out for baseball. We know exactly who we have to play and, and when and where at this point in time. And, and we got the two seed. And I think that's really good for us. You know, um, if you were to pencil things out and everything works out based on seeding, then winter set will be the, the group that stands in our way. Um, Principal Park, and, and hopefully we can get that taken care of. Um, you know, again, going to touch upon it, just COVID, you know, the, the fact that now you're starting to see people become very nervous uh, about things when it comes to COVID, and therefore they are uh, canceling some of their last few regular season games so that they don't run the risk of, of um, coming down with a case of COVID and, and just going to worry about postseason play. And you wonder how much of an effect that's going to have on planning for other sports in the fall. You know, if, yeah. if this association gets to see that teams are saying, okay, you know, you and us are supposed to play each other. Well, I'm not playing you because, you know, you, you have played two teams that have had a case, even though you don't have a case, I'm not playing you because if I have to sit now I'm out and I don't want that to happen. So how much of that is going to influence the association and, the, the biggest negative, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, biggest negative is the fact that we are now putting kids and parents in a situation to be dishonest. Mm. As far as not saying, 
yes, I don't feel well, or yes, I, I am, I'm going to get tested because of this. Um, and to me, you know, your team season rides on whether or not you're healthy and how many kids are going to want and parents are going to want to say, yeah, I'm the one I gotta, I gotta go do this. And, and I think we're going to have to do a really good job as a, as a athletic culture to make sure that we understand this, you know, and, and make them understand that they, they need to do it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, there's another level to it as well. How many, how many kids are actually uh, closing their circle of friends down? How many parents are saying, sure, go over to the, to the hangout, to the party. Yeah. And I mean, this, um, there's a lot of sacrifices to be made if we're going to have baseball finish, softball finish, and get to have football, you know, uh, in the fall. Everything in the fall. You know, I mean, yeah. and, um, you know, I think Al said today that Chad Ellsbury sent a, sent a, uh, a message out to the athletic directors about golf. Golf is happening, you know, regardless of, of where they're at. Um, the, the only thing that you have to make sure you're paying attention to with golf is you are following um, whatever course you're at their rules. So if you you know if you play at the Legacy, you have to do X Y Z. If you play at at uh, the Waveland, you have to do A B C. If you play at Willow Creek, you have to do you know um, E F G. You know that type of thing. But otherwise, they're playing. Do they allow you to um, have someone drive the cart and have another person try to strike the ball while in the cart? You mean like, like polo? Like polo? I remember a time where that's happened. I don't think so because you, you don't get to use a cart in high school golf. You have to walk everywhere. I, know, I don't understand that sport. Yeah, well, but, well, you also don't play it very much. Ever, actually. Now. No. I mean, you have, you have, but very few rounds of golf in your, in your day. Um, so then to, to finish up high school sports, you know, uh, and again, talking specifically Norwalk softball and baseball on a hot streak right now, playing exactly how you have talked, you know, playing well at the end of the year, which is really where you want to be playing your best, uh, best, best ball. And, and they are, um, you know, they've had a great, great week, um, avenged a few losses you know, from earlier in the year. Norwalk gave uh, Dow Center Grimes their only, only loss in baseball. And then, um, would we get beat seven nothing? First game of the year, and then softball came and swept them um, this week. So just a, a, a really good run right now. And yeah, I think baseball's been on a tear, and softball has been um, an even hotter tear. I mean, they're they're knocking they're knocking off teams that were ranked ahead of them, and also got better seeds come districts. So they're they're playing well right now. The uh, uh, the fact that they're sitting where they are is is a perfect time for it as they as they get ready to roll into the the postseason, which is starting up here in the next ten days. Um, anything else, high school sports from you? Big couple nope. of weeks coming up as far as uh, not only state baseball and state softball getting ready to start, you know, postseason is starting to roll, but then also decisions about fall sports uh, and what that's going to look like are coming here soon. So. Um, stay tuned, and, and hopefully things work out well for everybody when it comes to that. Now we're moving on to the uh, the Papa Burger section, you know, which is uh, 
uh, the meat and taters, you know, as we as we like to refer to it. And Kurt Henning um, is, is the uh, name of the podcast. And for those of you that were, you know, WWF and WWE, and I don't know if he was ever, I don't remember when they changed the name, so I don't know if he was ever there or not, but, but uh, Kurt Henning was Mr. Perfect. He, uh, you know, I do believe Cole Hopkins referred to him as one of the greatest intercontinental champions ever in the history of uh, professional wrestling. And I got to also be honest with you, looking his name up, I remembered it as Kurt Henning. But it is spelled, from what I can tell, spelled H-E-N-N-I-G. I don't know where the ing comes from on that. It, it looks like it should be pronounced Kurt Henning. But I, I don't know. Anyway, we're going with Kurt Henning. And it's Mr. Perfect. And the reason why um, we selected uh, Kurt Henning and Mr. Perfect is because I want to talk about perfection. And, and the, the, is it double standard? It's almost triple standard. Um, well, it, now, before we get into this, I'm going to demonstrate how I'm not perfect because I thought you named it after you asked me, do I know this guy? And I said, well, yeah, isn't that the Red Sox pitcher? Kurt Schilling. And you're like, Kurt Schilling. And I thought you just messed up the, the spelling or messed up the name. And you, nope, you informed me that he is a WW whatever wrestler of which I've never watched any wrestling whatsoever. Sorry, sorry, Tim Clay. Um, sorry, Matt Andrews. It's just not my, not my thing. So I, um, I'm sorry to disappoint Cole as well, but I, I had no idea who this guy was. Well, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. And, and, you know, we, we have, we have kind of given Brandon a break, Schmitz, as, as far as the, the push for Hall of Fame things. Um, although, you know, talking prior to, it sounds like we need to push for you to be in the Hall of Fame, Brandon. So make sure you keep this in mind as a uh, as a dual head coach um, for the three seasons, football and soccer. Fairly significant piece of time in in Norwalk history. So it would be good for you to maybe think about that. But uh, then, and girls soccer for two years. So oh, so three, man, that's that's the trifecta. So well, you were the one talking about how people are getting in for not that long of a career. So I'm just saying. Do I have a chance? Well, sure, because we can we can influence Schmitz. We can influence think, anybody to nominate you. I don't think Schmitz is ever going to put me up for any sort of um, athletic Hall of Fame. What other kind of Hall of Fame would he put you up for? I'm not sure where you were going with that. Jerk Hall of Fame. Okay, yeah, maybe. It's a possibility. So I think if we're going to make pleas, then I think we need to we need to get a Raw or a WrestleMania or something. You and Cole and a and a bucket of popcorn need to sit down while he's over sometime and sit in the living room and watch some wrestling. He can educate you. He can give you some history too. Um, yeah, it's gotten so bad that when Cole comes over, the dog doesn't really bark at him anymore, which is disappointing. Which reminds and me of. Zeus and Apollo barking at Magnum on Magnum PI all the time. <laughs> Whatever. And um, I'll watch wrestling with him if I get to pull out the old huddle film of our state run and we can break down some of the things that needed to get done a little bit better than what they were. That's I think that's fair. And I think that he would be, he's heard so much about, about uh, um, heritage scoring that I think he, he would be willing to sacrifice another moment of sitting through, you know, that 
in order for him to maybe draw you in to become a uh, professional wrestling fan. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I think he's already seen that clip that's been, that's been tweeted back to him in a DM. And if we have to get into it, there is a time in the, um, I don't know if it's the semifinal or final, where we're, we're in a little bit of man-to-man and, and someone is not in man-to-man. Well, he was watching. He's just hanging out and watching. So we're going to talk perfection. And, and again, you know, for those people that have been to a parent meeting, um, you know that, that, you know, the last couple of years I have, I have talked about this. You know, for me, the, the three things that I continue to talk about, and, and, and that's why I brought it up as a topic for us, is to talk a little bit more about it, is this, this idea that when somebody makes a mistake, a single mistake, that they, they have a tough time recovering from it. You know, and my examples are uh, Brian Williams, you know, the, the sport, or the, the sports, the newscaster that, uh, you know, embellished and, and told the wrong story, you know, and added some details that weren't true in a, in a story from the Middle East. And he no longer is, is doing what he did. You know, he got suspended and people couldn't believe that he lied. And, and you know, if you listen to Malcolm Gladwell talk about that, that particular moment, um, it, it's natural, you know, for you to not have the best memory when big things happen in your life, you know, like, and his big thing was coming back to 9-11. You know, they, they did that study on people um, remembering all the details to 9-11, where were you and how did you feel? And, and then come back a, a year later and ask the same question and then come back, what was it, three years later? Um, yeah. And ask the same question and people's answers change. Um, so why that's- Isn't the that the same one? Isn't that the same one where they do the, um, the individual driving a car? And they swear that they, they get into an accident and they swear that they put the brake on, but they're actually hitting the gas. Yeah, I think that is the same one. That I just don't remember it correctly, but I, I swear that I did this. And then they go back through everything and they were claiming, you know, that all of these cars are defective. And af- after a while they found out, well, the car wasn't defective. You hit the gas. Yep. Accelerator did not it. stick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they went out on the track and they hammered the gas and then pushed the brake at the same time and the car stopped every time. I've always loved that episode because I, I use that in my life a lot with like my wife or you. I mean, I just don't think you remember it correctly because you just don't have that, you know, great of memory. And Malcolm Gladwell proves that. It's true. I mean, it, there, there are cases where it is true. You know, and then the next one for me, you know, was Tim Tebow. You know, and, and, I, and I bring him up all the time. What, he, he's a very genuine human being who, who seems to have very few character flaws and people always want to try and tear him down. You know, they, they try to poke holes in it. Oh, he can't do this or he can't throw a pass in the NFL. But, you know, I mean, he's, he's just, he's genuinely a really good person. And then, you know, and then the third aspect from my end would be, you know, the teams that are perennial um, successes, you know, like in Dowling Catholic. Um, Pella, and I'm talking high school, you know, from football, uh, and then and then you go and you look at uh, Alabama and New England Patriots and how people don't want to be, they don't want them to win, they don't want them to be successful. And and what is it about us that causes us to to in the case of making a mistake, say that it's so fatal that you can't recover from it, and then somebody who doesn't make a mistake we can't live with the fact that they haven't made a mistake or they aren't um, in some way, shape or form have, have some sort of vice or negative piece to them. So then we've got to figure out some way to create that. And then a group that does things 
and are successful doing it, we can't stand it when they're so successful and they do it year after year after year and they are, they're able to sustain it. So that's kind of the, the gist behind where this is coming from as far as our, our talk on perfection. Yeah, you bring up those three areas and when you told me about Let's Talk Perfection, um, you know, I, I went back and thought of some different things as well, but to your point uh, about making a mistake, Way back when we played Winterset, we had a corner. I'm not going to say his name so none of his friends can razz him. But he had uh, gone through some tough times in high school, had an accident, and has fought his way all the way back to, to be a starter and did everything he could to give back to the program. And I remember first game where he's like, all right, if they do this, we do this. If they do this, we do this. We do this, we do this. And he just kept going through the list and finally had to say, just go play. You'll be fine. Just go play. You know, and then I walked away, oh boy, <laughs> nervous because he was so nervous. And, you know, he went out and did just fine. But he was so concerned after all the work he did. I think he was so concerned about, I can't screw up now. Look what I've done. And if I screw up now, what does that mean? Um, and I, I hope just telling him to go play released a little of that tension of, you know, at this point, it is what it is. Uh, but I, Certainly, I think high school players in general really worry about that mistake. And sometimes we're the cause of it as coaches, you know, because we, I, I think perfection in one way has gotten a bad rap. I've seen you design a perfect play against a team and it works. You know, boom, we score a touchdown because you've watched film, you've seen something and there we go. That moment of perfection is great and we strive for it. I think the issue becomes when we want to be the perfectionist and think that every moment has to be perfect. And if you're controlled by that, that's when, you know, that's when it's a struggle. We, we, we don't want to be controlled by it. We can aim for it, but once it doesn't happen, which it rarely does, you got to go to the next thing. And that's that growth mindset. And that's what, you know, that was one of my questions is, is what's our obsession with perfection and, and, and why is it different? You know, why can we, why can we look at, you know, Brian Williams and say, nope, you, you, you don't get to recover from this mistake. And then look at Tim Tebow at the same time and say, well, you, there has to be something wrong with you. You know, we, we've got to find the wrong thing. So how is it possible for us to, to do the two different things where we've got one where you make a mistake and you're in trouble. You don't make a mistake and I don't like it. So I'm going to try and figure out something in some way to tear you down. And, and you also have Nick Saban sometimes that sits there and says, so every time a kid makes a mistake on my team, I'm supposed to kick them off the team? Aren't these 18 to 22-year-old student athletes? And what, what were you like at 18 to 22, 23 in your decision-making? You know, I, I, def, I, don't, I, I don't know the answer to your question is why we do that. I think Tim Tebow is because he was so openly religious, you know, videos of them on the sideline, different things like that, that that made people feel uncomfortable instead of just that's him and embracing it. You know, we, we sometimes embrace the, the athlete that's a little off the wall, you know, well, that's him. You know, the Bears quarterback, what was his name? Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. You know, I don't, his teammates seemed to embrace him because that's what he was. You know, I, that's a, so it's a hard thing to answer as to why we start to pick. Is it because they're a little different than us? Is it because, like you said, they're so good, there's got to be something wrong with them? 
and you didn't even you know go back to your third idea of like the team to the east and dowling and places like that who have great success why do we want to say instead of emulate it or try to strive for it we want to try and tear it down right right and and you know hate it oh my gosh i can't believe that so that that to me was the was the reason and, and i'll be curious to hear what we get uh, back from people you know as far as feedback when it comes to to the perfect uh the, the yeah the obsession with perfection and, and the different angles that, that it seems to take based on where we're at with things. You know, for me, um, the other things that I want to do is I, I want to, I want to take a, a look at, you know, from a parent's perspective, you know, when it comes to, to perfection, you know, when, when you, when you think about not only your child outside of the arena of athletics, but then also obviously inside the arena of athletics, how are you handling things at your house are mistakes acceptable and and i'm going to get into it here in just a little bit but if they are acceptable are there any that are not acceptable as far as a mistake being made you know and how do you handle you know your your son or daughter striking out or how do you handle your son or your daughter missing a, a layup in a in a game when they're young and how do you handle um how do you handle them falling on their bike you know, or how do you handle them not shutting the door when they're supposed to, or leaving the light on all night, or letting the water run in the front yard um, all night, and you end up with a, a $225 water bill? You know, what, where are you when it comes to mistakes, and how do you handle that? And, and I think from a parent's perspective, this is just my, my two cents, is, is the manner by which you react is going to be the manner by which you, you start to, you know, shape and form your child as far as how they handle things. And then the, the product of those two um, reactions is going to going to give you what you're going to get for a high school kid. Well, if you if you leave the water on all night, you may get a different reaction from me than other times. Sure. Um, you know, parents aren't perfect either, and they can't strive. You know, we just got done talking about the, the dangers of perfectionism. So sometimes you may get upset and may react as a parent. I um, I heard all your examples. It, it, to me, it's easier as an athlete. You know, if my kid strikes out, well, okay, they strike out. Um, I think I think the language we use is very important. And I think what's tougher than if they strike out is, and we've you know, my wife and I have had to do some soul searching with our kids on this. Um, we're always like effort. Did you give your best effort? Did you try hard? And we always thought that those are just great things to say. Did make sure, look yourself in the mirror. Did you give your best effort? Well, for a kid, if they're trying to be perfect and they hear, did you give your best effort? They may hear that as mom and dad don't think I gave my best effort, that I can give more. There's more out there that I didn't do enough, that I didn't do more. When in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I watched the play. I think you gave a great effort. So there's a danger even in some words that you choose that you think are just, I just want you to give your best effort. You know what that's at. Um, and kids not perceiving it the correct way. See, I think that that to me is, you know, when, when you go back to, even if you want to talk Carol Dweck, you know, in her book, Mindset, you know, how you, oh, you're so smart versus that was, that was you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you continued to try and, and eventually figured it out as opposed to just saying that it's all based on ability. You know, some of that has to, I think 
that has to happen for parents. But I guess for me, the one thing that I want to make sure I hear you talk, I hear you say, you know, the, the, the things that you and Mel did, but you're, you're not the guy or the, the lady that's standing out there screaming at their kid because they, they struck out or they're screaming at their kid because, you know, they, they did something wrong or they, they missed a shot or whatever. So what causes parents <clears throat> in that case to not react well to their kids not being perfect versus someone like yourself who, who is you know, a little bit more reflective in how it is that you're handling things and how you're going about trying to get that done? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what causes somebody to think that, that uh, you know, USSA baseball and softball is the most important thing ever in the history of the world. And if they don't win, um, there's probably some sort of um, negative reaction to that, that that might not be very good for the kid. Sometimes as coaches, it's our responsibility. And you've done this with football, where you kind of temper those ideas. And you, you know, the one year you gave them questions, were you a good teammate? Did you have fun? Try to get parents to focus more on that. Than were you coachable? Did you give yeah. your best effort? And were you a great teammate? Yeah. And, and focus the conversation around those things rather than going back and rehashing every single play and stuff like that. So sometimes we have to, we have to educate them that way. I mean, I, uh, I, I remember with Little League soccer and growing up, especially around some of Kennedy's teams where she played with a lot of, a lot of good, good soccer players and people having these crazy expectations at a U11 tournament, you know, it's, it's like, they're not going to remember whether they won this or not. They're having fun playing with each other. That's the most important thing. That's hard because people like to win because if you win, then you're good. And then you get some accolades of, well, they must be a really good coach. Well, youth sports is all a talent grab. If I can get all my, if I can get the best talent around me, I'm, I'm probably going to win. Agreed. You know? Agreed. And, and I think the, the one thing that if you were, you know, if you're a parent listening to this, I think the one thing that you, you have to make sure you take away is you, you understand um, the language in which you should be talking to your kids. You know, you, you, you have a conversation with them um, and ask them some questions. You know, were you, were you coachable? Because I think if, if you want to talk in the world of, of athletics, there, there isn't anything more important than being coachable. Um, and then, you know, talk effort, talk being a great teammate, and then leave it at that. You know, anything else I think is going to be, is going to be you influencing and, you know, somewhat of a, a hand in how they're doing. Um, when it comes to their effort and their performance and their outcome um, from well, a parent's and, You know, kids uh, talking about process, I know they get sick of it. They get sick of it around the house here where I'm like, it's a process. And so even for my, my number three, you know, he, he started off really well in soccer and then had some, a couple years where he struggled. Then he went back to just play played um, Norwalk Rec soccer and then he fell back in love with it because it got fun again and now he's diving into the process and now he's he's doing the things that Coach Crawlick's asking. He's, he's getting faster and he's getting older. Well that's part of the process is also realizing that maybe maybe talent level comes as you get a little bit older you're more mature you know you're 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 better that way. I that growth mindset is over we talk about it over and over again and one of the best ways I ever heard was when you were listening to Brene Brown's podcast and I'd heard Luke Freeberg talk to me about listening to this stuff. 
in one of her first podcasts, it's about, I can't, I'm not going to say it here. It's uh, freaking first time, but she used another word, which really surprised me when she did that. And she swears a lot. Yeah. She's pretty open about her, her right. um, cuss words. You know, and, and she talks about three steps and I wrote those three steps down. And when the pandemic started, I had them written down on a cardboard piece of paper just sitting there because it's, it's all about process. And she talks about normalizing it, you know, name it and normalizing it. Uh, excuse me, name it. So you have power over it. It doesn't have power over you. So like we're in a pandemic, um, then normalize it, put it in perspective and reality check your expectations. Uh, and I think that's, I just found that very, um, I don't know if it was reassuring or kind of like, yeah, I, I, we're in a pandemic. I'm doing things virtually. Um, it's different than what we've done before. So normalize it, put it in perspective and reality check your expectations. Can inevitably you think if I'm the starting corner for Norwalk high school, this is going to go awesome. This is going to go awesome. Well, no, it's not going to go awesome. You're going to have downtime. So you got to check your expectations of what it's going to be because you're going to be put in the first freaking first time of a lot of things. And, you know, we're living that right now. And I think it's a great way to get away from that idea of perfectionism um, when you come into new situations and when you're a youth athlete, it's all new to you. You know, that's why experience, that's why seniors tend to play better because they've traveled everywhere. They've lived through all of this. They've done all this. You know what I mean? They've, they've been through the freaking first time. The, uh, uh, her podcast is called Unlocking Us. Uh, it's really good. I'd recommend it if you, you know, if you get a chance. And, and if you also get a chance, if you're into reading, uh, any of her books you know, are, are really good. Um, and you're, you, you're the one that gave me the suggestion of reading her. And, and she is now way up there as far as one of my favorite authors. And now a, a favorite podcast. You know, she, she does a fantastic job. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about Coach's perspective you know, when it comes to perfection. You know, and, I, and again, you know, it's going to come down to reaction for us. You know, we, we have to have high expectations. There is zero doubt about that. We have to. We, we've got to expect our best or, or, or our players' best. We have, we have to expect our best, too, when it comes to that. But we have to be very cautious about um, realizing and understanding that when our, when our kids give their best effort and we still are disappointed and disgusted with the outcome, um, we are sending a very clear message that, their best is not good enough. And, and you know, so we also can be responsible for some of this uh, focus on, on perfection, you know, depending on how we, how we handle things. And, you know, one of the things, if, if you go back to the 2015 season uh, for us, one of the conversations that we had at the very beginning, not you and I, this, this was between Matt Rampton and myself. One of the first conversations we had was we had our scrimmage, um, and, and I do believe we scrimmaged uh, Dow Center Grimes in 2015 at Dow Center Grimes. And my reaction when Brady would make a mistake, you vis I mean, you physically could see me being upset with the way that he reacted. Well, Matt had talked to me um, after. So then we, and then we went to, to Creston and Creston, same thing. My reactions were, were not good from a physical standpoint and you know, being very animated with things. And so he had a conversation and he just said, you know, you, you preach at us about how we need to handle things. You should see how you are handling things on the sideline. And it doesn't look very good. You know, you, your reaction is not sending a very good message to our, our team and our quarterback and especially not our offense. And so if you watch 
not that you should or go back, but if you watch from that point forward, my reactions are much different because somebody pointed out to me where I was, where I was failing. And um, that correction made a huge difference. And, and it's still one of those today, you know, there are times where you can't tell if we're up by 21, if we're down by 21, if the score, I mean, how much time's left in the game, because I am, I'm now the same. And, and that's always going through the back of my head is how am I reacting? Not just from a, 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 a verbal standpoint, but how am I reacting from a physical standpoint? Yeah, I'm still on that roller coaster every now and then. Uh, well, I've had parents point out to me that, you know, on kids too much. And that's, uh, those meetings have helped me grow. Um, I, can, I can say 27 years ago, I was much more emotional, vocal, and um, other things that I am now, but I'm, you know, I'm still growing. And, and I know, uh, well, having the couple safeties that we had before, sometimes I'd get upset and those safeties would just, just tell me, don't let us take care of it because the corners were younger and they didn't want me to get after the corner. So they're just going to take care of it. I'm like, oh, well, fine. Then you take care of it. And it's one of those things that you know you have to grow. And so talk about not being perfect 20 whatever years into it. And I know I still have to get better at not becoming too emotionally um, overwrought on a decision, you know, a, a bad decision made by a player or not allowing my frustration and practice to boil over to, to anger. I do believe the proper term is animated um, when, animated. when you're talking about that. You know, and, and I'm not saying that I still don't, I mean, I'm, I'm emotional, you know, so I, I, don't, I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm, I'm unemotional and I'm a robot standing out there, but there are still times where I'm, I'm still going to yell. You know, there are times where, where I am going to point things out uh, and sometimes it's not very nice or pleasant, the, the manner by which I point those things out. But at the same time, uh, overall, I, I, I have tried to do a better job of, of being self-aware of how I'm reacting to things. And I think that, that to me is the most important thing. And then having a conversation with the kids afterwards, you know, if you don't think you reacted well to something and, and talking to them about it. You know, it, it, we talked about this a few podcasts ago. It, it comes back to the more you stay in the lane of honest feedback, even if it's said loudly, then it's feedback on what you're doing versus, you know, challenging them in other ways. Right. You know, How about, as a coach, that's, that's where you want to stay. Player's perspective, you know, on this perfection. How, how do we, how do we, um, how do we see things from their eyes? You and I have had this conversation lots of times outside the podcast. And um, years ago when I think Coach Crock had one of his best teams, I was standing there watching practice and they're doing what's called a passing square where you just pass it around the square and you do, you, there's little movements to it to simulate game-like things, you know, opening up and other technique, technique things. And this group was passing this ball around a square and it was going pretty fast and it was perfect around and around and around and you know he he doesn't lose his cool very often but all of a sudden he just loses his cool and he said okay so you're perfect that just means we're not growing we're not getting any better i don't i don't want you to hit the ball pretty fast i want you to hit it even faster so the guy on the other end has to really work extremely hard to trap it so 
he just got all over him about if you're not making mistakes in this drill, we're not getting any better. You're just proving that you can pass it in a square. So let's, if you, if you can hit it this hard, hit it even harder. Because if we can get the ball from point A to point B even faster, then we're going to be better. And I think that was important for that team because they were pretty good and they could do a lot of everything, you know, really well. And that just told them if we're not making mistakes, we're not going to achieve the things we want to. And since then, I've, I've always tried to share that with players that, you, you know, here we are in practice, go, go risk it, go up and try and intercept that ball, figure out what your limitations are, push your limitations even further. Because, you know, here's the time. And come game time, I think once you do that in practice and, and the player learns to push, that's where they make that great play. That Josh Jackson, Ohio State, one-handed pick, you know, and when Iowa routed them that one year. That's, a, that's an unbelievable play. Well, why did he think he could do that? Somewhere he's pushed his limitations and people pushed him to, to go ahead. You're going to make mistakes, but without those mistakes, you're not going to be, you're not going to be as great a player as you could be. I don't think there's any way for us to to ever get um, kids to practice exactly like how they're going to play, you know, because that adrenaline isn't there. That 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 same heightened awareness of what's going on around you is just not there. However, the closer we can get our kids and the kids get to practicing at the same level that they're going to play, those mistakes are going to happen in practice, and you're going to get them corrected for games you have to figure out a way to get to that point where you are making mistakes in practice and understanding that it's okay to make a mistake in practice because then you're going to figure out how you can correct it and, and remedy it for, for game time. I, I think that's important um, as we go through and, and. Well, it happened this morning. Game speed. It happened this morning in minicamp. This morning in minicamp, what we were, uh, we were in cover two and You'd been picking on our cover two a little bit because our corner wasn't sinking enough to make that throw a little higher so the safety could get there. Finally, the corner sinks, makes the throw higher, and our safety doesn't go up and compete for the ball. You know, he was there, and uh, nobody got mad at him. We just told him, hey, you are who you are. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to say the kid's name, but you, you're this guy. You're the guy. Go make that play. You can make that play. Trying to just reinforce that we did, we got, they're going to throw the ball there. In cover two, that's what they're that's what they're going to try and do, but that ball was not on a line anymore. It was it had air under it, and you you got to go and make a play. And I think that's that to me, you know, for for us to help the kids is is understanding that the the better they can uh, put forth effort to to put them as close to game like speed, the better they're going to be in in making sure that that prep is is really really good and. Um, you know, as, as close to game like as possible. Um, so, what are what are some unacceptable mistakes in our in our society today? What are things that you can't do to re and, and recover from? You know, I can give you one. I'll give you an example. Ryan Brown, performance enhancing drugs. He he still gets booed uh, at places wherever he goes. He he is he is unable and and will never at this point in time get out of. Uh, running away from that or, or getting away from making that mistake. So what do we got? So performance enhancing drugs, you know, and, but I guess, you know, some, you know, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, you know, all those guys that they talk about, Lyle Elzado, um, you know, you go down the list of people that have been, that have been caught for or, or in trouble for performance enhancing drugs and, and how many of them 
have been able to recover and how many haven't. You know, as far well, as obviously standard. betting against your betting against your own team. Yep. You know, cheating. Uh, somehow cheating against your team. Shaving you know, points. The idea of shaving points. You know? What was it? The the White Sox. Right, shoeless Joe. Right. So so you're saying, and this is interesting. Um, you know, you look at Michael Vick. You know the mistake that he made. He he was able to recover. He came back and and uh, played, and, and and not very many people talk about the fact that he spent how many seven months in jail um, for his his dog fighting. You know, I mean, so some unacceptable mistakes. If I'm hearing you correctly, um, performance enhancing drugs, gambling, cheating. What else? Anything else that we've got that that people can't recover from lying you know brian williams's case yeah well you know antonio brown he's trying he's yeah. trying to get back in some of the stuff he did is otherworldly you know where he just lost his mind i don't know what was going on with him will he will he be given another shot he's talented enough to get another shot so is somebody going to be willing to do it you know that's always what's on the what's on the scale is the level of talent you have um versus what you did uh, will we forgive you because of the talent uh, or maybe i should say we'll give you another shot because of the talent and here's your opportunity to erase your mistake so to speak or make up for your mistake if you're not talented mm -hmm. yeah, and, and it's weird because brian williams is obviously talented he still has a gig somewhere midnight on msnbc or something like that but um are there other people waiting in the wings then? You know, your credibility shot, we have a new person, in they go. I don't, it's a, it's a tough question to answer as to what's, you know, what are you out? Okay. You know, when, when are you out, I should say. So what are some acceptable mistakes? Um, well, another unacceptable mistake now, which I think is good, is if you end up uh, striking, um, you've had NFL players that have, have struck women and been involved in abuse, and many of them are out, although... What's that? Are, you know, and I know that this is terrible timing on my part, because now I'm going to go a little lighter. Um, you just went fairly, fairly heavy, and now I'm going to go light. Um, what was the name of the cowboy? Uh, Dallas Cowboy that dropped the ball in the end zone. Did he ever recover from that mistake? Oh, number 89. Um, not in my mind, he never recovered. Because <laughs> that's the, that, we beat the, we beat the Steelers. Oh, uh, gosh, what's his name? This is bad of me. I can't remember. I can see the play now, though. So that would be one that was unacceptable for many fans. You know, when you think about uh, some of the kickers that have missed, or uh, what, what's the guy for the Cubs that, that interfered with the foul ball and then the Cubs ended up losing and they thought he, yeah. was, he was getting death threats? That's, those are some unacceptable um, mistakes. How about, how about some acceptable ones, though? What, what are some acceptable mistakes? Infidelity seems to be at the top of the list. Um, you're able to, you know, end up with a new wife or, or a new husband, and, and that doesn't seem to crush anybody's career. I, I, a lot of those are small ones. I mean, yeah. there's still uh, it, breaking the code. Like I go out and I talk about 
Paul Patterson is the worst coach ever. I tell the Des Moines Register that, well, I could come back and say to you, I was upset at that moment and you might let me back in the circle. Probably not, but maybe. Those people um, that know me know that know what the answer to that one is. <laughs> uh, well, but you know, when athletes go out and they call another athlete out. Sure. Um, that upsets a lot of circles. And I think some, I think that's a mistake. I don't think calling people out on the media is the way to go athlete to athlete, uh, but they seem to be able to make up for that. Recover some. Drew, Drew Brees, you know, he, his statement that he put out about the flag. Um, kneeling at the national anthem. Yeah, kneeling at the national anthem. I, I, that statement should have been one that was made in the players' room and not to the media. Yeah. And it was insensitive about what was going on. Um, whether you believe to kneel or not, it didn't, it, he wasn't reading the room as far as what's going on at that moment that he said it. Have that conversation in the locker, but you know, a day later he did have conversations, and then all of his teammates were like, "Okay, we're good." Even though people outside that circle still wanted to try and nitpick to you know get the news going and the media and everything else, but you know he made it right within his circle. So how how can we help? How do we help with this this idea and and these strange standards when it comes to perfection? Well, one, don't expect perfection. Don't, you know, Marla Franham's always the one say, don't name a school after somebody. Don't put up a statue of people because they all fall. Sooner or later, we're going to make mistakes. And I, more as life's gone on, I, I agree with her, you know, that, that people make mistakes. And when they make that mistake, they fall and they didn't, you know, we put people on these pedestals and they're not, they're not made of perfection. They're made of all different sort. being a history major, you know, just watch the thing on, Ulysses S. Grant and all the different things about him that, yes, he did great things, but he's kind of forgotten. And Lee was supposed to be a better general, but things Grant did are pretty amazing to defeat Lee, you know, and then we want to put all these guys on pedestals. Well, you know, Lee should never be in a statue. Never ever. You know, he, he was a rebel. And he led a cause that was wrong. Um, but in general, it just doesn't work out. And so one, don't expect perfection. Don't put people on pedestals. And quit being so judgmental. Yeah, that I, in my opinion, I, I think that's number one. You know, the 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 judgment piece is huge. Um, and you know, what do they say about people in glass houses? And and we seem to have an awful lot of people in glass houses who like to throw stones. And and we've got to be very cautious about that. So I think I I agree wholeheartedly. I think that to me is the number one thing. Don't judge. And and. No. If you are judging, you need to reserve the right to shut your mouth. Well, I got into an argument um, with another individual about all the things going on at Iowa, and they just said, it, "This is just players complaining." Tom, you you know, you played for a tough coach. I'm like, well, you know, Coach Williams and 100 other white guys with like four black guys. Um, people, and that's not the point. The point is. No one goes out and listens to what the players have to say. They've already made a judgment of what it is. And if you went and listened to the Washed Up Walk-On podcast with James Daniels and uh, Jordan Lomax, uh, you start to hear some of their perspective of issues. And we're not, you know, they, they made a decision on Doyle, and both of those guys said they think that decision needed to be made, even though he made them successful. And they explain why. 
But then around Kirk, they're like, we're comfortable with Kirk leading the way. But then they start to say, here are some of the issues. And if you go and you listen to that whole podcast, you start to see, you hear Lomax talk about, um, he came from a Catholic high school. So his whole life, white and black, we were together. And when he came to Iowa, which is all white, he says, I understand that I um, could work in that culture and do well. You have other African-American players or black players that come and they come to this all white, all white coaches, a few black coaches, now there's more. Um, and it's just a totally different culture than from where they're from. And the people that support them were, that their support system were the, the assistant coach that recruited them, the, the offensive coordinator that recruited them, Kirk Ferentz. Well, they don't even get to see them. They get to see Doyle right away. And they talk about what the problem was and what's going on. And so I don't want to go into that whole hour and a half podcast, but it's perspective. It's sitting there listening to what they have to say, not right or wrong. Just hear what they have to say before you go out and judge, you know? Well, that was one of the things that we talked about earlier, you know, not today, but, but in, in a previous podcast where, you know, when you were talking social media, one of the things that you, you stopped doing because you were, you were realizing what it was doing was, you, you know, you were muting or, or not paying any attention to people who were opposite of you and, and giving other opinions. And now you have started to at least read them and, and understand where they're coming from and, and seeing their perspective and trying to understand that. And we're, we're the same thing. I mean, just because, you know, we, we had a kid go through our program and they had the worst experience ever. You know, they, they played freshman and sophomore year. Now they're no longer playing because they, it was awful for them. And then we've got a kid who goes through our program and would tell you that it's the greatest thing he's ever been a part of. Well, that doesn't mean they're both wrong. I mean, one's wrong and one's right. They're both right. It just mm -hmm. it's, it's how you work for that. And then, you know, whatever, whatever was the issue with the kid who stopped after a sophomore year, you got to try and figure that out. And you got to try and make it better so that they, they don't have issues or, or have experiences like that. And I think that to me is something that, the University of Iowa did a good job of, um, from the standpoint that they they now listened to their kids, and now they are trying to take the steps necessary to make things better than where they were. And I think that's vitally important for us as we move through all of this. So, so I think we so let's recap. Number one, we don't know why society does what they do when it comes to perfection. You know why why. We can take one mistake and not let you recover from it or find somebody who is who is genuinely a great person and try to poke holes in them and then take somebody who does things consistently year after year and is successful and hate them and not want them to be successful anymore. We don't know what causes that to happen. We just know that it does. Other, other than it's probably more of a reflection of the person casting the dispersion sure. than it is on the one that's failing. Yeah, I, I mean, situation. yes. Um, and then, you know, we talk a little bit about parents and, and how, to, how to speak to your children and, and do so in a manner that does not cause them to, to become neurotic, you know, when it comes to how they're doing and what they're, what they're thinking. You know, ask them a few questions and leave it at that. Um, if, if they want help or they want your perspective, they're going to come talk to you about it. Coaches, we need to make sure that we, we check ourselves and how we are reacting to mistakes being made. If we say we're inviting and we want you to make a mistake, we want you to go 100 miles an hour, and we are berating you every time you make a mistake, we're not going to get people comfortable trying to make a mistake because they don't want to deal with the consequences of making that mistake. We've got to make sure 
we are supportive and we back up what it is that we say. And then a, a, a player, they've got to understand that the world that we live in, outcomes are based upon what you did to get, you know, the process you took to get there. And focusing on that and understanding how you can better yourself is, is vitally important. And, you know, how can we help? We can, we can not judge, making sure that we, we are a judgment-free zone. Um, and then that we're, and I keep coming back to it, but making sure that we're genuine. You know, we're, we're not trying to do something because we think um, politically it's, it's correct or because we want to fit in with this group over here or whatever. Be genuine and, and reserve the right to judge um, and avoid that and listen to people. Have a conversation with them about what's going on. And, and I think if we eliminate judging, we're going to eliminate an awful lot of the, the issues that we've got in our world today. Judging and educating. Yes, there you go. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Get, get to that point and, and talk to them about how important making mistakes are. You know, and, and talk to them about why they need to make a mistake and, and getting them to the point where they're comfortable so they can. It's, right. it's, more courageous, it's more courageous to be in the uncomfortable moment than to avoid it and just say judgment. I mean, that's where true courage lies is putting yourself in that uncomfortable spot and working yourself through it. That's more Brene Brown. That's not me. And that freaking first time, you know, I agree. that's, that's where you got to be. And I don't like to be there, but that's where you got to be if you're going to grow and if you're going to understand other people. No doubt. No doubt. So we're, we're wrapping up the Papa Burger section of, of Kurt Henning and, and uh, Mr. Perfect and, and talking about perfection. So we're going to move on to uh, the history. And I, I got to be honest with you, um, these have not really done so well the last couple of episodes. So, so I'm going to give this one more shot as far as interaction. And, and we don't get very many uh, responses and interactions as far as this topic. Then uh, we're just going to move on. We're going to go back to regular Norwalk history. And, and I'll just tell you what's going on as opposed to asking for, for feedback. So that's me just being a little bit of a baby um, when it comes to that. So uh, that's my reaction. And Here's what we have this week. Well, you go ahead and say whatever you're going to say because you've got something there. No, it just that reminded me a little bit of, of you know Dale Barnhill when he gets on the bully pulpit and would would start to preach. You were preaching a little bit there, you know. Now he preached more about education than about people not responding to him. But yeah, well, if it was true, Dale, I would have said folks. I would have started yeah. my my conversation off with folks, and then and then I would have got into it. So here's where we're at. I want to know your. We were bird walking there, sorry. We yeah. were bird walking there, sorry. Apologize. Um, so what I want to do, um, throw, the, throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's another famous, um, he said that a lot. If we're going to go down Daleisms, but we're we can't, we can't, we're done. Um, best player outside of high school from the state of Iowa. Okay, and the example I gave, um, why I said outside of the state of Iowa, or inside the state of Iowa, cannot be outside the state of Iowa, it's got to be from Iowa. Gabby Douglas, I do believe, came here, right, to, to train at Chow's, and so we claimed, we latched onto her and claimed her as Iowa, but I don't believe as though she's from Iowa. So she would not be one that you could choose. However, you could choose Sean Johnson, who went to Valley and, and was an Iowa girl, and go that route. So here's the, here's the, the catches. Okay. Number one must be from Iowa. Number two has to be outside of high school. Even Bob Feller counts 
Okay, even though I do believe he participated in professional baseball while he was still in high school, but I, I they have to be outside of high school. So it could be the greatest collegiate player ever, could be the greatest professional ever, could also be an Olympian in which you don't have to be professional. You're still at the amateur status um, and getting that done. So I want to know the best outside of high school Iowan in the history of athletics. And I am going, my pick, my personal pick, I'm going Kurt Warner. Um, just because of the fact that I do believe he was MVP of the Super Bowl. He is now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame um, and then won the, won the Super Bowl. Um, was it 99 or 2000? They went back-to-back -back years. They won it the first year against the Oilers or the Titans, and then they, they lost the next year against the, uh, the Patriots. And uh, I'm, I'm picking him. And then he also went back against the uh, – when he was with the Cardinals and they, and they played the Steelers. And uh, what's his name? Had that unbelievable – was it Antonio Holmes? Had that unbelievable – or San Antonio Holmes had that unbelievable catch in the yeah. corner of the end zone. Also, uh, Kurt Warner got um, – I watched it on uh, – he's not perfect. He, he read their pressure, um, but the uh, linebacker dropped out of the pressure. Didn't come like he usually – so Kurt knew the whole play, what they were doing. They were sending this pressure, and the linebacker just decided to drop out of the pressure. And – uh, he threw it right to him on the goal line. James Harrison. And then it was, yeah, 99-yard touchdown. Because he's like, James Harrison always did this, but this time he dropped and got into the slant lane. And what was going to be an easy touchdown turned a 99-yard touchdown for them. At the Huge. Huge. Um, so that's my pick. Kurt, Warner, Kurt Warner's up there. I got. I have to think through this on my sculpt. Um, Kurt Warner's up there. I also thought of Roger Craig. Excellent choice. And And – Bruce Jenner, I uh, I forget the Ooh. name that the Olympian. Yeah, what what's he called now though? I, that's what I, I I can't remember what she uses what what her name is. Um, so when he was in the Olympics, when sure. she was in the Olympics, Bruce Jenner. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm thinking through this. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Roger, Roger Craig. She. You keep going back and forth with the he, she. So that's why I was trying to, I was. Doing that. Well, I apologize. She was absolutely fantastic in the Olympics. Agreed. And on, on the cereal box. I just can't remember the name. Um, so I'm, I'm going. Was it Graceland? I think Is that so. that where Bruce Jenner graduated from was Graceland? Okay. I think so. I'm going to go with Roger Craig. How many Super Bowls? Three? Yeah, Hall of Fame, played in a, you know, Walsh's offense, revolutionized how they were doing things at the time. You know, they were still two back, but it was all West Coast, and he was out, and um, just, a, I think, a terrific talent out of Davenport that goes to San Francisco and Nebraska and then San Francisco. So that I'm should make both sure. He He had to be – awfully darn close to um the first back to go a thousand and a thousand i don't know if marshall falk actually ended up being the first that that was a thousand yard rusher a thousand yard receiver but roger craig had to be up there yeah because he caught the ball a lot out of the backfield a lot so you know you, you've got bob feller and you've got uh who is the other? chad henning uh who, who played with for the cowboys and i mean we you know you can go robert gallery there's there's so many people that you could 
you could choose from. Those just happen to be the ones. And and I was shocked that you didn't mention Bob Sanders, but that's Bob fine. Bob Sanders? Yeah, okay. That's where it is. Bob Sanders. Let's just keep talking about him. Um, so talking the walk, whether that be Facebook, whether that be Instagram, whether that be Twitter, um, or contact us uh, as far as who you, in your opinion, post high school, best athlete from the state of Iowa. And they have to be from Iowa. Right? And, and give us your reason, you know, why, what, what the deal is for that. Um, and then for me, the, the final piece, oops, sorry, go. Well, it'd be great if they would do it to talk in the walk to our Twitter handle, just, just DM it there. Cause then we have a record and then you don't have to write it down. Yeah, that would be good. And then Tyler can inform us as to what's happening there. Uh, for me, the, the last piece, the final piece is the positive. You know, we always try to highlight something that that's really good that's going on. And for me, this is, this is a, a personal one is uh, coach Schmitz, Brandon Schmitz and, and coach Charity Campbell uh, helping with workouts, you know, without those two helping us on, on uh, workouts in the morning, there, there is no way we'd be able to get done with what getting done, what we get done now. And so very thankful for them and, and excited that they were willing to help and, and come and give us, you know, four hours every morning, uh, Monday through Thursday. And, and, uh, Take care of workouts and and i hope that the kids recognize the fact that they're 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 helping and, and making things better for us so um really excited about the fact that we're able to be back working out and really excited about the fact that that we've got people that are willing to help us in, in making sure that um, we get to do what we want well, is, those two are always willing to give time to try to make norwalk athletes better so it's greatly appreciated that's um really appreciate charity I think Brandon wanted to get out because of the uh, pandemic he needed out. So this helps him. Okay. Well, it's helping our kids too, because without them, we wouldn't be able to have as many kids as we, as we've got right now. So it works out really well. So again, um, again, you know, our non-sponsor Glitter Lake Outpost, you know, any, anything, if you want to get away and, and you want to go catch some, some fish and, um, you know, enjoy nature really. You, you've got a great place to go. Learn how to eat walleye like it's uh, bubba gump shrimp, Oof. fried walleye, sushi, walleye Big Mac. I distinctly remember, um, just so that everybody knows, we ran out of bread at the end of our trip. And I was eating um, walleye, fresh onions, yellow onions, in between two pancakes uh, for my walleye sandwich because they, we didn't have any bread and I improvised. Um, absolutely. Yep. Mick walleye. Fantastic. It was fantastic. Um, and then of course, you know, episode 10, it's Kurt Henning, uh, Mr. Perfect. And because we talked a little bit about perfectionism. So again, hop on Instagram, hop on Twitter, hop on Facebook and, and give us your feedback about the athlete and, and give us your feedback on uh on what you thought of this episode, if you've got an answer or, or some thoughts on perfection, you know, let us know what those are and, and hopefully we hear from you and, and we apologize for uh, taking so long. You know, last week we, we released on Tuesday and this week it's a Friday. Um, so apologize for that long um, pause in between, but, but we'll try to be back at it before uh, one of us is out of town next week and, and get another episode up and running. And, and we appreciate you listening. And again, this is Talking the Walk and I'm Paul. Have a great weekend. Talk to you guys later. Closing time.
Thank you for listening to the Talking the Walk podcast show. Yeah.